0: Following is an interview with Marshall Thomas and Brothers of the Holy War. Marshall Thomas grew up in Florida and is a huge Miami fan and he currently writes for the Miami SB Nation. He's recently moved to Utah and is a big Utah Ute fan and also interned for KSL in 2017 covering BYU. Enjoy. Thanks for having me on, dude. We we figured you had to be a good guy if you put up with Connor for this this amount of time. So, <laughs> no, he, he's a he's a good guy, man. He's a he's been a good friend throughout the years. <laughs> so you ended up serving in the same state you grew up, kind like.
1: Yeah, yeah. So um, I was born in Miami. Uh, I moved to Salt Lake when I was 15, and then. Ironically, got called back to Florida in the Tallahassee area. So, uh, pretty
0: pretty crazy how everything worked out. Oh, that's awesome, man. Going back to home sweet home. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, so if you can
2: give us like a, a quick little rundown, end up where you're at, being right from Miami, and everything, how to get there.
1: Um. So basically, I mean, I've, I've been writing about sports basically my whole life, and then um, did some internships here and there and um, you know some blogging and
0: their biggest site the
1: State of the U they were just looking for writers and this was about a little like a year and a half ago and I had some experience just writing about the, the canes on a smaller scale but then I just applied for this website and got on and um, just started writing more and got more coverage and so it's, it's been good man it's been, it's been really fun I was there uh, this, this past summer to cover fall camp and I go down there every month or so to catch a game, and so it's been it's been a lot of fun. Did you go to school in Miami, or you
2: just go up there? That's how you became a fan, or?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I grew up. Uh, I grew up in Miami. Uh, had season tickets, and um, just always stayed close to the program. Didn't go to the school. I don't. I don't want to pay sixty thousand dollars a year to go <laughs> to school there. But um, yeah, just always stayed uh, stayed
0: close to it, and stayed a fanatical fan that's awesome and so our listeners kind of know so it's Marshall Thomas right grew up in Florida like you Mm -hmm. said sports um, writer for Miami SB Nation and it sounds like you have a great following on Twitter too which um, if I heard Connor correctly it actually kind of led to a trip to watch the Miami Florida game at the beginning of the season is that right
1: um, well, I was, so I was covering the, the hurricanes I was already in Miami covering fall camp and I just figured cause the game was in Orlando. I was like, Hey, you know what? Screw it. I'll just, I'll just go. I didn't cover it, but uh, yeah, I, I went and, uh, went as a fan and got to meet a lot of the people who were already following me on Twitter. So it was, it was a really, really cool experience.
0: Um, that's awesome. How was it being there at the game, even though it was a tight one there and a loss? Well,
1: that was, Oh, man that was probably the nuttiest and craziest game I'd ever been to it was it was insane we were tailgating for eight nine hours before the game and um you know Miami and Florida don't
2: play each other every year
1: and so um when they do it's uh it gets pretty crazy so it, it was it was so much
2: fun and, and the fact that it was a close game uh just made it that much that much more fun so you mentioned you weren't covering that particular one but obviously you're you're covering quite a few miami games as a paid writer how much how much artistic uh license do they give you or are you basically just having to display facts
1: i you know for the most part i get to have a, a lot of opinion you know this isn't like espn or anything like that um you know when you go and cover the game obviously you have to get out the facts and kind of report it like a reporter but for the most part you get um you know you get your say on on your opinion and um you get they, they give you the you know the means to kind of run free with it and so i mean because it that it allows you to relate more to the fan base and um not having to go um, towards a certain agenda but you're able to write how you know my writing and um, our writing is to a guy sitting in the stands himself, what he thinks of the game. And so um, I think that's been uh, a huge plus in kind of my writing
2: and everything like that.
0: That's awesome. I I know um, one of the things in your past that kind of helped lead here was you uh, worked for KSL or did an internship for KSL in 2017.
1: Yeah, yeah. So um, I interned for KSL Sports. Um, in fall of 17 and uh, did the whole BYU thing. And then the next semester, actually, I interned for ESPN 700 and got to cover the youth. So um, it, it, that, was, that was a lot of fun just because um, you know, I have friends that play
0: for the youth and, you know, obviously friends and family that go to BYU. So it, it was a great experience. I loved it. That's awesome. I know 17 is probably a year that most BYU fans would love to forget. Um, <laughs> that was a, a rough year being on the writing side how do you stay I don't know if the word's motivated but how do you stay creative and find things to write about when you have a team struggling like that
1: yeah that was I mean yeah what a what a year to be an intern probably the worst year in 50 seasons but um you know you got to look at um you know I remember you got to look at sometimes just the small positives I remember uh I would write about their tight end, Matt Bushman, who was a freshman that year, and um, he started to get a lot of hype, so I focused on little things like that, and then also just the fact that um, to embrace the suck almost, um, (laughs) and and sometimes you just have to laugh at it, and I remember, I think, one game, it was against Wisconsin, they were down by like 40 40 points or something like that, and you almost have to make a joke out of it, and so... um, You know, I mean, fans are going to read whether they're losing or they're winning, and so you have to give out the reasons why they're losing. um, Have to give out the reasons why they're winning, um, and if you have to be controversial and maybe a little harsh towards a coach or anything like that, you you do that. So,
0: yeah, I. So let me ask you this, because I know you're focused on Miami, Miami right now, so you don't necessarily know the ins and outs of BYU at the moment. But having covered it for that fall and being a sports writer there in Utah. Do you think independence is sustainable or what are some things that you think that would have to change for BYU to become what Utah is right now?
1: Um, You know, I, um, that's a really, really good question because obviously since they've left the Mountain West, um, the quality of football has gone down. I think, um, you know, I think it's, it's, hurt them with recruiting and, and things like that, because, I mean, uh, you look at just the difference of programs, you know, Utah went to the Pac-12 and BYU went independent, just that, you know, Utah just went so, is going so high and BYU has just reached some really um, low lows, and so um, I would love to see BYU get back into a conference, I think it helps with uh, competitiveness and obviously you know scheduling games and everything like that you're playing towards something you know like a conference championship I believe that helps with recruiting you know you don't have to sell recruits on the fact that they'll be playing schools like Toledo and um you know things like that or UMass in November or something like that I you know I haven't um, really look too much into that question, but um, you know, I don't. I don't think the independence is, is sustainable for BYU. I would love to get, I would love to see them get back into a conference, and I, and I don't think I'm alone in that thought. I think a lot of people would like to see them
0: back playing for a conference championship and things like that. Yeah, yeah, you follow along in Twitter, and there's a pretty decent crowd that would love to get back into a conference and. Experience. Especially if it was a power five, but we'll see how that all goes.
2: Okay, changing topics just a little bit. If, if Connor told us correctly, you're a little bit of a Ute fan on the side. Is that right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, Utes, I've always said the Utes are my second team. Um, and, you know, since my family lives in Salt Lake City, you know, we're about five minutes away from the University of Utah. So I try to go to as many games as I can. I was at the Arizona State game last week. Hopefully, I'll be at the Cal game this week, and um, yeah, I love the U, and it's so great to see them doing well. One of my best friends, um, Parker Van Dyke, he actually played for the basketball team these past few years, and so um, that kind of drew me a little more towards the the U as well, and so um, yeah, I, I follow them as closely as I can, obviously, with uh, my responsibilities with Miami. I, I'm not, I don't follow them as close as I used to, but um, and they got a few, you know, South Florida kids as well. And so that's awesome yeah. to see. And um, yeah, I, the last years, especially with the Utes doing so well, um, it's, it's a lot easier to, to root for them. And especially with the Canes doing so poorly, um, you know, I can, uh, I can cling on to Utah for this season.
2: Man, you can't just come in here and, and drop Parker Van Dyke's name like that, and pretend like it wasn't a big deal. He's a u11 <laughs> legend.
1: <laughs> yeah so um yeah Parker and I we uh you know we've been best friends since about freshman year of of high school we both went to East High and uh, I remember when he was just first getting varsity minutes I remember the day I was there the day he committed to Utah and then to see him um, do the things he did at app uh with the youth was just awesome you know his buzzer beater against UCLA and won't forget um, that one yeah 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 that was that that was a really cool moment for uh, for our, uh, me and my friends, and so um, yeah, definitely, it was so cool to see him kind of just put on for the hometown team. So yeah, he's he's a great kid.
0: I was wondering when you said you guys were best friends if it was like me when I bumped into Brandon Dome and all of a sudden we were best friends, and that's why I told everybody just because <laughs> I bumped him. But no, you were legitimately good friends in high school. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Ever since we were, I mean. Yeah, he was one of the first
1: kids I met when I came to Utah playing uh, little league sports and we always stayed close. We're so close to this day. see him every time I come back in town and um, we, we both serve near each other with
2: our missions and um, yeah, he, he he's one of the good ones for sure. Okay, back, back to football. So, so you've been there, you were there last week, you're trying to get there this week. Um, thoughts on Utah's chances? It's close south, obviously they look like the front runners, but thoughts as the season goes along here. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, that USC loss really
1: um, humbled them a little bit. I think they came into the season maybe feeling a little overconfident. I thought they were a little overhyped. But, I mean, ever since that USC loss, they've just kind of hit another gear. I think Tyler Huntley took a huge step this season. Um, you know, he's proving a lot of doubters, including myself wrong. Um, he's had an incredible year. Zach Moss, I think, is one of the best running backs in the entire country. He's just an absolute animal. And then, when you have the kind of defense that they have, you know, with too, Bradley and I, I mean, you're, you, you just got a good chance in general, and so um, you know, I, I like their, obviously, I like their chances with the Pac-12 South. I really like their chances winning the Pac-12. Um, you know, I think it'll be interesting to see them go up to Seattle on November 2nd to play the Huskies. What, what that's going to tell, but other than that, I mean, They got a pretty clear path to the Pac-12 championship game, in my opinion, and um, it looks like Oregon will be that that team that they play. And so we'll see, man. I think uh, you know this is definitely probably the most talented team the Utes have ever had. I, you know, I'm I'm very critical of Kyle Whittingham at sometimes, but you got to give him credit right now. And um, you know they're just clicking on all cylinders. So uh, it's an exciting
2: time to be to be a Utes fan, and we'll see how this season turns out. I, I I wouldn't be a Ute fan if you hadn't at some point in in your time as a Ute fan questioned Kyle Whittingham and his decision making <laughs> and and his ability to to play defense and run the ball fifty times. But what what do you think the biggest difference between this Utah team is and and Whittingham teams in the past? Um, I, I think the
1: difference is, is do you have a.
2: Attack.
1: Um, you know, they can throw, they can hurt you with the deep ball. They can um, hurt you passing the ball. And obviously they have a running game. And, you know, so I, I feel like sometimes their defense has carried them a lot of the time. And, um, you know, they have they have a real balance attack. And they just have the feeling of a team that's been there before. Um, you know, last year just getting to the Pac-12 title game was huge. And they're just getting that experience. Um, you know, it, it tells so much for a program when, you know, you can come in and, the expectations are high to begin with and so i think that the youths are just getting comfortable with expectations getting high and or, or being high and they expect to be the team that's competing for the pac 12 south and the pac-12 championship and so um you know just a veteran leadership and just yeah like i said the experience and really just a balanced attack you know they have an offense that can drop 40 50 points on you and so that hasn't always been the case with the youth and so um i think it's a variety of
0: things so I'm going to go back to Miami a little bit, maybe uh, back to your roots. Last time that BYU fans saw Diaz up close and personal, Taysom Hill was literally running away with his job in Texas. <laughs> so how is he doing so far for you guys in Miami? What's kind of the temperature there?
1: You know, that, that's, it's funny because I was actually at that game that Manny Diaz got fired when Taysom Hill ran for about 400 yards, and now that <laughs> now he's the head coach at Miami. And I'm um, so here, here's the thing about coach Diaz is he came in um, after three seasons of being a, a very successful defensive coordinator at Miami and his father was he grew up in Miami his father was the mayor in Miami so he just seemed like the perfect fit for the University of Miami and in the offseason I mean he was he was hitting on all cylinders he had this hashtag the new Miami and um, you know he was signing recruits and he was crashing coaching clinics from other schools and then and then the season started and um, it's and it, it has kind of been a train wreck. Um, you know, I can understand losing to a team like the Gators or at North Carolina, you know, in a rowdy environment. But to lose at home to Virginia Tech and most recently Georgia Tech, it, the temperature is extremely hot right now. Um, some people want him gone already um, in his first year. I, I don't I don't think I want him gone necessarily, but you can't just have that kind of offseason and then be three and four. And so um, – it, 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 it just goes to show you that the talk is kind of cheap, and um, you know I think he has to make some drastic changes to his coaching staff during the off season. Um, because I mean, it, it's a it's a kind of beating the dead horse with this argument. But I mean, the, Miami has the talent to be a top ten team, you know, top fifteen team. They really do have that much talent, and um, it, it's just surrounding himself with the with the right assisting coaches and having the players actually buy into his system. And so, you know, we'll see how this season ends up. But right now, I mean, it, it, I think he is a little bit on the hot seat right now.
0: Yeah. Andrew and I were actually talking about this very thing in our previous episode last week with Kalani Sataki, where he lost two very winnable, in our opinion, very winnable games in a row. Um, and he's up for contract at the end of the season he's yet to be resigned how long do you give somebody uh how many you know rotations through offensive and defensive coordinators do you give a head coach before you start to say "Hmm, do we get uh get rid of him or and move on or what do we do how long do you give him
1: you know i think that's that's a really good question i mean um because Kalani his first year? If I remember, you know, it, it was pretty solid. I think eight nine wins, and um, but then it was his next year that it kind of everything fell apart. And then, but then they rebounded with a you know a, a strong, solid uh, 2018 season. So I, th- I think it really just depends. You have to look at the whole body of work, um, and it kind of you have to look at the trajectory of where the program is heading. Um, just I mean, because with for for Coach Diaz. It really comes down to, in my opinion, where he goes with this offense and, um, you know, how the players are, are, are feeling because we've already had several players leave the program this season and, um, you know, recruits decommit. So, I mean, if it's a bleak future, um, that, that kind of that boils down to the athletic director and, and what his um, thoughts are. But I think every situation is different. I think with uh, Kalani, I, I don't know how you guys feel, but I think he is, I I think that you've seen the best of what he can do for BYU in my opinion, but um, I think you got to look at a coach's ceiling and, and really determine what that is um, and, you know, thinking about how many years you actually give a guy.
0: Yeah, I, I noticed in a couple articles that popped up on my newsfeed today that one of your guys' is um, receivers just barely decided to go into the portal. I'm yeah, yeah, that, that was a yeah that that was a,
1: a tough pill to swallow. He's a really good kid. He's actually a, a West Coast kid, um, so you know maybe he'll be looking at the University of Utah or some other Pac-12 school. But I, with the transfer portal, I mean that that changes so many things, um, you know, in college football, and it's just tough to see guys leave like that
2: like the East Coast as chairs for an East Coast team. Also been out here on the um, biggest difference between college football, between, you know, that environment.
1: East Coast and West Coast?
2: Yeah. Oh, man, where do I start? Um,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I, I love the West Coast. I, um, I I love Utah, love California, things like that. Um, but definitely East Coast, especially in the South, having lived in the South and served in the South, it's it is it is a religion down here. I mean, you you get, um, you know, Utah fans are pretty crazy. Um, but you think that they're packing in 45 46,000 people a, a game. You go to Utah. Alabama or Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and that is 100,000 every single week. And it is LSU football. It's Alabama football. It's Florida State football, 365 days of the year. Um, you know, you it's... It's something that is part of of the landscape there and it's part of the when you think of the South you think of football. When you think of um, it, it's 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 just so hard to to really put into words and and, and no and obviously no disrespect to, to California, but I mean you the talent just in South Florida or, or even Texas is just really just a step above and um, it's it's just different. That's all I can say.
2: Okay, so let's, this is probably a little easier to, to describe or pinpoint exactly, but I think the Pac-12 and, I don't know, the Pac-12 in general is viewed as a weaker conference, especially by people on the East Coast. What would it take in the next couple of years here for the Pac-12 to be on even footing, maybe not with the SEC, but at least with the, you know the Big 12, the Big 10, things like that? Well, I
1: think um, I I really like what Oregon's coach Mario Cristobal is doing. He is, um, you know, being a South Florida guy himself, he's really targeting that area with recruiting. I think it also comes down, I think, um, you know, recruiting those kind of kids um, and going to high school in South Florida in Miami and, I mean, he's every bit of a player as a four star on the West Coast. and, and. no disrespect. And then I think also USC getting back on the map um, is it, huge. You can't have a program like that that has so much potential and has so much history. You can't have that be dormant. I think USC's um, you know comeback is, is huge, huge to the um, revival of the Pac-12 and, and football importance in the West Coast. But I mean, you, you got great coaches like Cristobal and um, Chris Peterson and Kyle Winningham. Um, you know, and it's also winning big games. Um, you know, USC was in the, the Sugar Bowl or the Cotton Bowl a few years ago into Ohio State and they just got obliterated. And then you have Washington go to the college football Playoff, and they just get uh, routed. And so I think it's, um, it's a combination of things, you know, recruiting, USC getting back on track and also winning just big games. I mean, you can't go up against a team and against, uh, from the sec in a big time primetime game and just and not show up. And so, um, you know, they got to prove that they can win those kind of games.
0: Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. And that was something that we had, uh, you might've heard of Connor Egbert, you know, <laughs> collegiate athlete. <laughs> he was on, but he, he kind of <laughs> had that same thought was, you know, they've got to go out, um, beat a couple of SEC teams and then the like, just like you said USC um they don't they can't beat Utah of course but just have them go out there and, <laughs> and come back to life
1: yeah I mean I mean yeah it, it, it's just kind of sad to see a program like that fall so fall so deeply and, and and so far and um you know college football is just better when USC is, is is good. It's the same thing with Miami. It's the same thing with Notre Dame, Texas. You know these college football programs that have made what it is, what college football is today. I mean, we need them to be good, and um, especially USC on being on the West Coast, because um, you know when they are good, they are they are competing with anyone. Um, and so it's uh, they they need to
0: they need to do something. I don't know what it is, but they got to do something. You know, one team. This is reaching back. a a little bit before our time, but one team that has finally come back to life that used to be really dominant is SMU. It's kind of interesting to see them back on the map this year.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think um, I saw something like this is the first time they've been ranked since the whole death penalty and in the mid to late 80s. And so, um, yeah, schools like that, I mean, it, it just kind of, um, and, and then, you know, I that that is one of the most underrated stories in college football this year and just in the past. 10 years, in my opinion, but you know, if, if they can do it, I mean, USC, USC sure as heck can do it, so and, yeah. and also like UCLA and um, you know, things like that, so and also BYU. I mean, BYU is a, a great program that has so much history, and um, to see them just, I you know, I, I, I remember even in when I was in middle school, you know, they would have schools like UCLA come in and, and Florida State come in and they would compete with them, and so. Tools like that, they need to get back on track, man.
0: Yeah, preach it, brother. Preach it,
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, man. You've been awesome. We appreciate you so much coming on and being with you. Hey, what's your what's your Twitter Twitter name so guys can follow you? Um, my Twitter name is at hurricanes marsh. At hurricanes marsh. Awesome.
1: Yes, sir. Awesome. Okay,
0: well, we're gonna definitely reach out and start. Um, reading more and more of your articles and again appreciate you coming on and being with us it's been awesome well hey thank you guys so much and uh you know if you ever want to do it again just uh just reach out hey we will we will this has been great guys have a good one Thanks. thanks man appreciate it